0: Spoken Word. Half an hour of poetry and performance. Your connection to Melbourne's grassroots poetry scene. The voice of those of us who have nothing but our voices.
1: Good morning. You're listening to the 3CR Spoken Word Programme. My name is Di Cousins and today I'm talking to Peter Bukowski about two new books. The first one is called The Elsewhere Variations which he wrote in collaboration with Ken Bolton and the second one is Wardrobe of Selves. So welcome Peter, great to see you.
0: Nice to see you always Di.
1: Oh thank you. (laughs) Uh, Well congratulations on writing two new books Uh, so close together. Um, tell me, how did you come about uh, to work on the collaboration Elsewhere Variations?
0: Um, I've wrote a poem which mentioned Ken in it and I sent it to him and I said if you felt like it, i write a response or a reaction and he did, and then I wrote a reaction to his reaction, and then he wrote a reaction back, and uh, we wrote forty eight poems in that way, sometimes two a day and uh, it was a sort of white heat of writing
1: that's that's amazing and uh, tell me how did you what was the starting point what was the first poem that you uh I mean, there was the one where he was mentioned in it, but then what what was the sort of seed poem for the rest of the process?
0: Well, sometimes the other poet responded by playing off a word in the prior poem, so I think my initial word, our poem had the word cufflinks' in it, and then Kens did in the response, and then I had the idea of um, Three drunken haiku poets, and then a, a brick appeared in the poems as a weapon, and the brick reappeared, and stubbed toes and other things, and uh,
1: we broke a window.
0: Yeah, so there were uh, references to traditional haiku poets, and then these fictitious Melbourneian haiku poets who are quite competitive.
1: And um, when I was reading that, I was thinking of some of the haiku poets that I know and thinking, (laughs) (laughs) wondering if these are some of the haiku poets that I know. Are they loosely based on anyone?
0: No, it's just, it's a gentle parody of, um, I suppose, obsessiveness, competitiveness in, because a lot of the poetry scenes in, in, various capital cities are small within themselves and sometimes as we know, being human beings, there are sort of frictions and feuds and disputes and sometimes they're very petty, but I suppose they provide entertainment to some and and uh dismay to others.
1: Yes. Well they also make for interesting poetry. <laughs> So uh, let's begin with um, some of the poems, shall we? Um, Where would you like to start?
0: I'll read with the uh, very first one that started the the ball rolling, so to speak. So that was my poem and it's called Some Lines Are Straight, Some Bend A Little. It's 6.24pm in Melbourne and I'm not wearing a shirt with cufflinks To the best of my knowledge, not one pair of cufflinks has ever been left by astronauts on the moon. While driving the car of this poem, I'll let go of the steering wheel in homage to poets Ron Padgett and Ken Bolton. I'm waving to them now, but there's not enough time for them to wave back as this is a sonnet. To my left, there's a muddy ditch In it are two crocodiles. One of them I name Alan, the other Unwin. They're fighting over a manuscript, a posthumous short story collection by Salinger. A road sign warns me of cartoonists crossing. I apply the brakes, don't want to hit one, could lose a typing finger. The motel has a neon sign, reasonable rates. I turn into a vacant margin sit there, listen to the crickets, the road trains hauling epic poems into state.
1: It's wonderful and there's there's a quality of imagery there which is so surreal you know, or magical realist or something. How would you describe it, like hauling epic poems into state?
0: Well that's I think eventually that becomes a Analogy with some of the um, freeway paintings of Geoffrey uh, Smart, right? And uh, the road train and the long haul trucks is a very Australian, Australian uh, image, and we're trying to sort of maybe uh, debunk it a little bit or. Uh, make it slightly surrealistic the idea of trucks instead of being full of cans of vb they're full of epic poems yes (laughs) (laughs) so uh yeah we had a lot of fun with the collection
1: there's a there's a lot of playfulness in it um you've got so many unusual characters and ideas um there's a a person is a hairdresser owner what what was her title again
0: oh her name's um verna thorngold and she owns the trophy wife hairdressing salon which is an actual hairdressing salon in bridge road richmond oh my god you'll go past it on the uh on the tram, the 48 tram or the 75 tram into the city and it's on the left just before uh, Hoddle Street and it's got in quite big letters, Trophy Wife. (laughs) 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 Or maybe
1: those who aspire to be Trophy Wives are their actual market. Um, So now now each of the poems uh, is its own piece but then it also becomes... A longer narrative, like it's say like like a verse novel almost, would you say
0: Yeah, I would look at it as maybe kind of a tapestry with or an elongated piece of music with sort of motifs that reoccur, but it's also we were sort of riffing off each other, so it is the book was improvised. But, you know, we've taken great care with with the poems after we've written them and sculpted them and ran them across each other and advised each other on bits we could sort of sharpen up or say differently in each other's poems. And we did that in a democratic, amicable, peaceful way.
1: Yep. Great. Okay, so what would you like to read next?
0: Well, this one's called Thrust. Someone's hurled a brick through the front window of the trophy wife hairdressing salon in Bridge Road. The likely culprit is Noel Plaid. Prickly, malnourished, outraged that Clive Zotti's latest volume, Sixty Ways of Looking at a Dash Hound, has won the Kenneth Slessor Prize for Poetry. Regarded as Australia's premier haiku love poet, Noel's emotional health has declined since the death of his muse, Werner Thorngold, who established the Trophy Wife Salon in 2014. The household brick continues to appear as object and metaphor in numerous of Noel's haiku, as doorstopper, Wonky table-leg prop, surrealist hat, Cupid's arrow. The cops find Noel slumped in the beer garden of the All Nations Hotel. Slapped awake, he confesses to throwing a brick through the front window of the Trophy Wife salon. Claims it was a spontaneous three-dimensional sound poem which he's recorded, videoed and submitted to Going Down Swinging magazine. Noel sees it as a pivotal career move away from haiku, integral to his next poetry collection, 60 Reasons for Throwing a Brick.
1: It's very, very funny. (laughs) I mean, there's so many conceits in there, you know, like Australia's premier haiku love poet.
0: (laughs) 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 Yeah, yeah. You know, sometimes we're a bit too sort of reverential or something and, uh, you know, grand traditions, uh, you know, part of the history of surrealism was questioning every sort of grand tradition or what came before. And, you know, I think the poems work on a uh, humorous level but there is definitely, we feel there's definitely craft there and some uh, satire. Satire's got a long and noble tradition.
1: It has and it hasn't been popping up in poetry awfully often, uh, in, in Melbourne poetry anyway. We've all been a bit serious, I think.
0: Yeah, I you know, at live poetry readings, I sort of, if I'm part of the event and all the poems in the open sep- open section are very... Serious. I often, when I get up to read, I'll try and break away from that serious, burdensome weather that has been created within the room. You know, by by doing a wacky poem or a, reminding people that language is playful, our uh, images are playful. Uh, why not consider our uh, words almost like plasticine that children play with?
1: So let's go to the second book, Wardrobe of Cells. Um, And tell me about uh, how this book came about.
0: Usually a solo poetry book of mine, I allow about three years' worth of writing and uh, print off the poems that I've written in the three years and I lay them all on the lounge room floor and I ask myself... uh, any of these poems passengers or any of these poems not doing enough work have they all earned their keep and if some of them haven't I uh, crumble them up and throw them away and uh, the ones that survive (laughs) become become a book um, should there be a sufficient quantity
1: And I noticed in this book that it goes not... I mean, you've always had poems about travelling and you've always done a lot of travelling. Yes. But this poem goes back in time to many different countries and eras. Mm. How did you decide to take that direction?
0: Well, I'm very uh, interested in the history of the 20th century. We had two world wars. We had the Cold War, um, we had a lot of innovation in uh technology and my parents both came to Australia due to the Second World War and you notice when you go in a bookshop there are still so many historical novels uh, set in the Second World War and now we've got a new film at the mainstream cinema called nineteen seventeen. So I've spent my whole writing life sort of trying to understand how come we keep having wars and um, I just try and show what happens to a particular individual in a crisis moment such as uh, a war or post the period after, the aftermath of a war because I... You know, I saw my own parents as um, survivors of the Second World War and the only reason we were in Australia really was uh, to get away from, lucky enough to get away from war-torn Europe.
1: Yes. Okay, so um, let's go to some poems, shall we? What would you like to read?
0: Well, I'm going to read a poem about the... Abbotsford Convent The Abbotsford Convent used to be a uh, a sort of laundry workhouse for wayward girls and uh they worked very hard and it was a the whole idea of the what they called them the Magdalen Laundries originated in Ireland and the revenue even from these laundries worldwide uh went back to the church, um, I'm pretty sure the Irish church. And so this is set at Abbotsford Convent when it was such a uh, laundry and place for uh, marginalised young women, set in 1932, the Magdalene Laundries. Emerge from stone-cold rooms the penance of work will cure you of nocturnal sobbing. Do not voice the doubt that morning prayers may not salve your deepest wounds. Unending torrent of laundry to starch, iron and fold. Hands are raw, which once played the piano, dared to hold the hips of a man in errant embrace. You must quell the fires of the flesh to be truly saved.
1: It's such a a life-hating institution, that laundry.
0: (laughs) Well, um, there's a Joni Mitchell song called The Magdalene Laundries as well. Mm. And that poem, uh, if you've got the book in front of you, it's an acrostic poem that Vertically spells Mm. the word endure. Yes, it does. Yeah. And um, our child did a performance work at the Abbotsford convent where they hit themselves, their naked uh, upper torso with a whip until they bled as a sort of karmic repayment for what the women suffered at the Abbotsford convent.
1: Yes. Okay, let's go to some of the ones which are set in um you know uh Second World War or 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 after the Second World War. They're very interesting.
0: I thought I'd read one that's set in uh, a Soviet labor camp which they was part of the Gulag system. Uh there's a huge book called Gulag by uh Anne um, Upful Upfall balm, and uh, um, millions of people died uh, in the Soviet gulags. So this is called Noralag labor camp, Krasnoyarsk, Kray, Russia, March 1943, night. There are more lice than stars, hunger untamed by strands of cabbage in watery soup, and knuckle of bread. Your body's a pauper's sack, nothing in it except blood-clot coughs, a crumpled map to the precipice of a fever. Mercy exists, bestowed by the snow, the electrified fence, the guards, efficient bullets.
1: Well, you take us there in in very few lines and uh, you, you, you know, I feel I'm in Siberia.
0: Yes, I've, I actually went to, um, my father actually took me to Auschwitz concentration camp museum a couple of decades ago and... I've read some memoirs of gulag survivors and um it's it's something that I just uh have felt necessary to write about in in several of my poetry collections I'm quite influenced by Primo Levi and we need to remind people of injustice and how inhumane we can be towards each other.
1: Yes, and absolute power corrupts absolutely. Now, one of the things I like about your work is that you often have short poems as well as, you know, full page poems, and sometimes you've got one line poems. You're very flexible in your
0: forms. I'm influenced by a quote that's attributed to Robert Frost uh, make your next poem different from your last. So uh, sometimes I'll just write a word vertically on a piece of paper, say the word beauty, and then I'll try and construct an acrostic poem using the word beauty. And I've done that twice in the wardrobe of selves collection.
1: And what would you like to read next?
0: So I'm going to read poem to the artists. Brushstrokes. To reveal the nuances of a person, a room, an epoch. What stirs in a face, in the crevice of a wound, is rendered. Art began on the cave wall, a primal vocabulary. There is a need to utter, to forge into being, what wakes the eye, heart, And conscience. This is our glory, our human answer to time, its glacial force. May your art impel us to dive deep beneath the surface of every question.
1: Yes, and how wonderful to celebrate art and, you know. It's uh, something that needs a little more airtime, I think.
0: The major uh, theme of my poetry is the destructive versus the constructive or the creative. So in each of us there's the constructive and creative and there's also the sometimes destructive which includes the self-destructive.
1: Yes, very true. Now, now let's go to the title poem. Where did where did the inspiration for this one come from?
0: Well, I very much think that 21st century is a lot about identity. Uh, I read an interview with Bob Dylan and in it he said, each morning when I wake up, I don't know what self I'm going to be that that day. And that made me think about... How we've got a private self, and then we go out into the public and maybe we wear change out of our pajamas and wear different clothes or wear some makeup or a hat at a certain tilt or we uh go out sort of looking very casual and uh and I like the idea of almost going to the cupboard and deciding what self am I going to be today. And it's not just clothes, it's our attitude. Some days we're better listeners than others. Some days we're better talkers than others. Some days we're more sympathetic and empathetic than others. Some days we're just in a bad mood. So this is the title poem, Wardrobe of Selves. Addressing your life. Perhaps that's overdue or not really you. Winking or wilting in front of the mirror. Maybe everything's arranged or in disarray. Consider what to wear, what wears you. Roll with the punches, not with the paunch you may have acquired. Dressed to the nines or only the fours, perhaps it's time to ride that bucking bronco tethered beneath your ribs. Your obituary needn't be an ode to daring. But if you're able, do venture beyond the perimeter of your toenails. Rush or gingerly ease into revealing yourself. Who you are may be of less importance than how you are, flummoxed or fulfilled. Both are cyclical. Some selves are secret, take themselves to the grave, their existence exposed in a diary, a bundle of letters, angers and loves, visions and regrets, not torn in half, not rewritten, Versions of ourselves, face half in shadow under a hat brim, a lewd, conclusive portraiture. Brush the lint from your cautious shoulders. Your true self may be in the vicinity, awaiting your arrival.
1: Wonderful. And uh, I love the idea that that true self may one day be found.
0: Well, I find it interesting how sometimes a good friend might say you're not you're not yourself today and you sort of think, well does that friend know me well enough to say that or do I even know myself myself, you know? It's a fascinating yeah. thing. It can become a bit too uh narcissistic and we have we've now entered the age of the selfie.
1: (laughs) Yes, it's true. But, um, I mean, we all have to be different things at different times and different places and uh, it's uh, something fluid and flexible and, you know, constantly reinvented and, you know, we're in some sense the same person we were 30 years ago and in another sense we're not at all that person. I mean, it's a very Mm. flexible thing.
0: The idea is, is to grow and sometimes like a a tree we're sort of injured or hacked hacked into on the way but um, hopefully we grow towards the light and the sun.
1: Yes, that would be best. Yeah. <laughs> now um, tell me about your readings. You've got a couple of readings coming up.
0: Well, I'm going to be at the P Word Sessions which is at the Motley Bauhaus in... Fitzroy North on Sunday the 1st of March. And what time is that? That kicks off at 4pm till 7pm mm-hmm. and there's an open section and they have reasonably priced drinks there and uh, it's it's a good, well-run venue.
1: And what's the next uh, reading?
0: And then uh, I'm being uh, interviewed and... Uh, talking about my life in poetry at the wonderful Hill of Content bookshop Uh, and that starts at 6pm on Thursday the 12th of March and I will also be reading some poems and there'll be the entire range of my books there for purchase or perusing.
1: Wonderful. Well, it might be a little bit of a party, I would imagine... Well, it's been a delight to have you in, Peter.
0: Thank you. Always nice to be on your program.
1: Thank you. Um, So I've been interviewing Peter Bukowski about his two new books, Elsewhere Variations and Wardrobe of Selves. Um, You've been listening to myself, Di Cousins, and this has been the 3CR Spoken Word Program.